In the late 1970s, a detective we'll call Jake Sampson leafed through crime scene photos at his desk. No matter how many times he looked at the same pictures, he couldn't find a single clue to identify Patricia Hull's killer. Another officer had told him to reach out to a psychic named Greta Alexander, and he was just desperate enough to do it. Samson dialed her number. A warm voice answered, introducing herself as Greta. Samson started to explain the situation, but the supposed seer cut him off. She sounded like she was in pain. In a hoarse and scared tone, Greta said she could sense, see, and hear everything Patricia did right before she died. She claimed she felt a 22 caliber bullet strike her skull. The last thing Patricia ever saw was some kind of a wooden panel. Samson was astonished. Greta had described Patricia Hull's murder in perfect detail, right down to the furnace panel she'd been facing when the killer shot her. But she wasn't done yet. Greta said the detective had already questioned someone who knew the killer well. If the police went back through their records, they might find the murderer. Samson hung up and started dialing the 100 people he'd interviewed. Within days, one of them confessed. He knew who'd killed Patricia Hull. Soon afterward, the police made their arrest. Without contacting the psychic, Hull's case may never have been put to rest. Now, Samson was reevaluating everything he thought he knew. With Greta's power, there was no telling what other gruesome crimes they could solve. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This is our first episode on Greta Alexander, a psychic whose uncanny predictions helped police close countless cases from murders to missing people. Today, we'll follow Greta as a freak accident apparently grants her psychic powers. We'll watch her master her skill so she can see through victims' eyes, predict the future, and solve crimes. Next time, we'll investigate whether Greta's powers were legitimate. We'll meet one prominent physician who analyzed her abilities and whose findings shook him to his core. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. 
In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Before she became a famous psychic, Greta Alexander had a fairly typical upbringing. Born to farmers in 1932, she mostly kept to herself. After high school, she married an insurance agent named James Alexander and began raising a family in Delavan, Illinois. She claimed she only wanted two things, to be a good mother and a good Christian. All in all, she was leading a conventional life. Nothing out of the ordinary ever happened to her. Until one night in the spring of 1961. On the evening of April 21st, a storm raged outside Greta's home. Her husband James came home after a late night, hung up his drenched coat and hat, then crawled into bed next to 29-year-old Greta. The two tried to sleep, but outside, thunder crashed and lightning flashed against the sky. One of Greta's daughters grew scared and ran to their bedroom. She asked if she could sleep next to her parents. Her parents said it was okay, but Greta was pregnant with her fifth child and needed more space, so she went to sleep in the twin bedroom next door. As she laid her head on the pillow, Greta's eyes drooped closed. The sound of the rain soothed her back to sleep. Then, at about 2.30 a.m., there was a crash. Wood splintered and the window shattered. Bricks tumbled outside. The blinds whipped across the room and wrapped around one of the rails of the bed frame. Greta's eyes shot open and she screamed. The bed was on fire. James sprinted inside and dragged her out of the room. Then he ran back in to put out the flames. Afterwards, he called an ambulance and the local fire department just to be safe. The firefighters told Greta and James what had happened. The house had been struck by lightning. The devastating bolt had practically destroyed the bedroom and demolished the Alexander's chimney. Greta was okay, except for high blood pressure. A few weeks later, she gave birth to a healthy baby girl. It seemed life was back to normal. But then, according to Greta, strange things began to happen. She'd get the nagging sensation that someone was calling, even though the phone hadn't rung. She'd pick it up and hear the dial tone. No one was there. But as soon as she set the phone back on the receiver, it would ring. Somehow, she'd known someone was about to call. She also knew when her parents were about to come over for an unplanned visit. It seemed Greta could somehow tell the future, but she didn't know how or why. No one else seemed to have these abilities, not even the other family members who were in the house when the lightning struck. No one knew why Greta was apparently special, but she'd soon get an answer through another accident. 
That winter, Greta and her husband bought a new refrigerator. They carried it inside, Greta's boots tracking snow through the kitchen. As she struggled to plug the refrigerator in, she stood in a shallow puddle of water. Finally, she shoved the prongs into the outlet, which sparked. A shock zipped up Greta's arm. She fell backwards, her heart thumping against her chest like a drum. The plug had nearly electrocuted her. It was the second time that year she'd almost been killed by a powerful surge of electricity. And this near-death experience left her utterly changed. Before, she could predict simple events, like when the phone would ring or when her parents were coming over. Now, when she met someone new, she felt overwhelmed by memories that weren't her own. It was as if she could see into their pasts and even envision their futures. One time, a while after the accident with the electrical socket, Greta was standing in line at the grocery store when she received a vision about the woman in front of her. She saw a fire raging in the woman's basement. Greta didn't know if it was the past, present, or future, but she explained her premonition to the stranger anyway. The woman immediately thanked Greta and said her husband was home cleaning with rags soaked in gasoline. Apparently, after he finished, he planned to leave the cloths in the basement. Now that she knew the danger they posed, she dashed home to stop her husband. Greta never learned for sure if her vision had helped prevent the inferno, but her power helped her in other ways. She believed she could predict divorces and foresee whether businesses would succeed or fail. The problem? Greta was a devout Methodist and wondered if her powers were somehow sinful. Terrified, she consulted her minister, who told her to accept these abilities. Maybe they were a gift from God. So she tried to use her skills as best as she could, offering guidance to her friends and some strangers. One day, she left a restaurant and passed a young couple on the street. Suddenly, her mind was filled with images of the two of them holding a newborn baby. She didn't know what this meant, but she told them about it anyway. Their jaws dropped. They told her they'd been trying to have a child for seven years. Perhaps Greta's vision meant their luck was about to turn, just when they'd given up hope. Soon after, Greta learned the couple was expecting. Her vision had become a reality yet again. Most of her foresight involved pregnancies, potential dangers at home, and marital disputes. Sometimes she even made predictions that made people richer. According to a neighbor, she once identified the winner of a horse race and earned him and his friends a nice little payout. But these were minor predictions. She hadn't weighed in on any high-stakes questions. Yet... It was only a matter of time before one of her visions would strike while someone's life was on the line. Coming up, Greta foresees someone's death. They're responsible for some of the most horrifying acts of violence ever known. Men and women who went to lethal extremes. But why? Every Monday and Thursday on Serial Killers, follow the life and crimes of an actual murderer, exploring the reasons why they lived to kill. 
Using extensive research and details you won't hear anywhere else, Serial Killers examines the psyche of a killer, their motives and targets, and law enforcement's pursuit to stop their spree. Listen now and catch our special series on manhunts, where we follow the processes police use as they hunt for murderers in treacherous terrains and unusual locations. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Now back to the story. After lightning struck her house, Greta Alexander seemed to gain psychic powers. She could see people's pasts and futures, and in some cases, even predict whether tragedy would befall them. Then, on January 9, 1974, Greta checked into the Methodist Medical Center of Illinois in Peoria for a minor surgery. Afterward, she lay in her hospital bed recovering while nurses placed a male patient in a bed near hers. Greta stared at the man with intensity, Then, she held out her hand to call the nurse. She warned her to keep a close eye on this new patient. The man had something wrong with the left side of his heart. The nurse didn't know what to make of the comment. Greta wasn't a doctor, but she sounded so insistent. Ultimately, the nurse seemed to write off the prediction. A few minutes later, the doctors told the man he was well enough to be discharged. On his way out, Greta cast one last look at the man from her bed. He walked down the hallway and reached the elevator. As Greta rested, she heard raised voices. She turned and saw nurses and doctors sprinting out from her room. The male patient had collapsed in cardiac arrest. Doctors brought him back to the room and performed CPR. His heart rate was off the charts. The man was fighting for his life. After a few minutes, the beeps on the heart monitor returned to normal, and the patient seemed stable again. The nurse from before stared at Greta with a disbelieving smile. Somehow, Greta had known the patient would suffer a cardiac arrest. And that wasn't all she foresaw. Before leaving the room, the nurse checked in with Greta, who leaned in close and told her to continue to monitor the man. She said, quote, He's not out of the woods yet. A week later, the patient died. His untimely demise seemed to cement the truth. Greta could see the future. And she was generous with her gift, meeting friends, acquaintances, and strangers to predict what lay ahead for them, too. Each day, as early as 7 a.m. until about 11 at night, Greta received calls. People drove in from all across the country, jamming her driveway. Most of her clients sought advice on love affairs. They'd ask, is he cheating? Does she love me? Should we get married? Everyone wanted a minute of Greta's time, but Greta never charged for her services. She believed it would be exploitative to get rich off of a gift from God, 
Instead, she told people to donate if they could. Often, that meant just enough to keep Greta afloat. The more she helped friends and strangers with their problems, the more word spread about her psychic powers. Eventually, in 1974, those rumors reached the Washington, D.C. Police Department. They'd hit a wall in their investigation into the murder of a 28-year-old woman named Barbara Myersberg. She'd been sexually assaulted and strangled, and despite detectives' best efforts, they hadn't turned up a suspect. When the homicide division chief heard about a woman with seemingly paranormal insights, he threw a Hail Mary and called Greta Alexander. Over the phone, he told her everything he knew about the case. She couldn't give him any details about the murder itself, only that the killer already had a criminal record. But she did make a couple of predictions. First, she said a taxi driver would share critical information that would lead to the murderer's arrest. Second, when the police arrested the suspect, he would be shot in the leg. Sure enough, a few months later, detectives located the killer using a tip from a cab driver. The suspect tried to flee during the arrest, but police officers shot him in the leg, just as Greta had predicted. Now, it might seem like Greta didn't contribute much to that case. Her visions didn't offer new leads or reveal a suspect. Even after her hint about the taxi driver, it's not like the police immediately interviewed every cabbie in town. However, the chief claimed Greta had a larger impact than anyone realized. In fact, his one interaction with her changed his entire perspective on psychics. In a later interview with a reporter, the chief mentioned he'd served on the force for 16 years. In all that time, he'd only ever dealt in facts. Yet, he could say without reservation, Greta Alexander had extraordinary psychic powers. Afterward, she continued to draw detectives' interest. When they were stumped, they turned to her. When she made her predictions, Greta felt she'd sometimes actually inhabit a person of interest, be they the victim or the perpetrator. In one instance, the Des Moines police called her to help find a missing child. The department suspected the boy had drowned in a nearby river, but they couldn't find his body. Over the phone, the detectives heard Greta cough, gag, and gasp for air, as if she was drowning herself. The officer asked her what she saw. Greta described a scene with surprising accuracy, according to the police. This description was all the police needed to narrow in on a specific area. They sent someone to inspect it and found the body of the young boy, just where she told them to look. During another case, the police asked Greta if she knew anything about a fatal stabbing. Greta's voice dropped several octaves. Her face turned dark and serious. She shouted and cursed, describing the knife in highly specific detail. The police jotted down everything she said, eager not to miss a single word. Afterward, Greta snapped out of the episode, just like she always did. But the effort left her exhausted. In spite of the challenges associated with her powers, she always answered detectives' calls, no matter what. On February 24, 1977, 
Police discovered an unidentified body along a New Mexico interstate highway. Someone had shot him twice, in the head and chest. Investigators quickly identified him as Gregory S. Langley, an 18-year-old Air Force employee. But that's about all the authorities knew. There were no signs anyone else had been on the scene. No witnesses, footprints, or even fingerprints. Detectives were lost. Langley's family had heard of Greta's powers, but the police were skeptical. They called Greta to gauge her credibility. As soon as they told her a bit about the case, Greta fell into one of her trances. She described the interstate in copious detail, right down to the exit where detectives found Langley. She added that Langley had picked up a hitchhiker. That man had killed the 18-year-old and stolen the car, leaving the victim lying on the roadside. Greta even said which direction he drove away. Shortly thereafter, authorities found Langley's car in El Paso, the same area where Greta had claimed it would be. The front upholstery was covered in blood. And in the car, they found a prescription bottle and a letter written by a man named Jerry Lee Glazenop. The police later arrested Glazenop, who'd hitchhiked with Langley on the night in question, just like Greta foresaw. Before, Greta had mostly located bodies or offered general guidance. Now she'd helped catch an actual murderer. But her real claim to fame came in 1978, when she approached the police to help with an especially disturbing case. In February, an Atlanta woman and her son had gone missing. It was the dead of winter, so it was important that authorities find them as fast as possible before they froze to death. Local fire departments scoured the area where they were last seen. Even snowmobilers joined in the search, anything to find the pair. But after hours of looking, the mother and son were still missing. The rescue team called in their report to a local radio station, which broadcast a news bulletin to the rest of the country, including Bloomington, Illinois. When Greta heard about the mother and son, she had a vision of their whereabouts. She called the Atlanta authorities and told them to go southeast of Olympia, Georgia. There, they should keep their eyes peeled for a machine shed on recently sold property. These details seemed a little vague, so Greta added that the property was near a damaged bridge. Also, loggers had been cutting timber in the vicinity. If the police followed her directions, they'd find the missing parent and child. Authorities may have found it difficult to believe her outlandish claims. They didn't know Greta and likely didn't trust a psychic in Indiana who'd only telephoned them after hearing a news bulletin. But they had little choice. If they didn't act fast, the missing duo could die. So they drew a map based on Greta's tips, loaded up the rescue trucks and snowmobiles, and moved out. They searched for a machine shed, fresh stumps, and recently sold properties. During their survey, someone spotted a farmhouse in the distance. As they drew closer, they saw two figures in front of it, a pair who were waving. It was the mother and her son. Apparently, they'd fallen into a ditch, managed to get out, and then sought refuge at the farmhouse, exactly where Greta had pictured them. 
Still, plenty of people were skeptical of Greta's supposed abilities. Some police departments were reluctant to work with her at all. They may have been right to feel that way. After all, some of her predictions never came true. But according to Greta, her powers weren't at fault. The police were preventing her from using her abilities to pursue justice. Coming up, Greta clashes with investigators. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Now back to the story. For years, Greta Alexander worked with police to locate missing persons, find victims, and even track down murderers. With each success, her legend grew. But still, some doubted Greta's powers. Detective William Fitzgerald of Alton, Illinois, didn't believe she could help him crack the missing persons case that had him stumped. Mary Cassette's disappearance. In 1983, 27-year-old Cassette left her home in Alton with her boyfriend, Stanley Holiday Jr. She was never seen alive again. Police arrested Holiday three days after the disappearance. They suspected he'd murdered his girlfriend. There was just one problem. They couldn't find her body. Seven months of searching had turned up absolutely nothing. Without a corpse, it would be tough to convict Holiday. Even though he suspected Greta could be a fraud, Fitzgerald invited her to Alton, Illinois. As soon as she set foot in the office, Fitzgerald laid out a large map of the state and told the psychic to show them where Cassette's body was. Greta placed her hand on the map and took a deep breath, then fell into her trance. The information came easily. She later explained Mary Cassette was, quote, waiting to be found. She pointed at the map, then drew an invisible circle with her finger. She said they'd find Cassette's body there. Fitzgerald told Greta the police had already searched there and found nothing. But Greta was insistent. She said Cousette was there, her head and foot severed from her body. Also, whoever was going to locate the corpse would have a bad hand, and somehow the letter S would be essential to the discovery. Even though the predictions sounded like nonsense, the officers didn't have any other leads. They went out in search of Cassette again. At first, there was still no sign of the victim. But one officer, Steve True, went a little past where Greta had suggested. It's unclear if True knew about Greta's predictions, but it seemed Greta knew a lot about him. 
Like we mentioned before, she'd predicted the letter S would be important to solving the crime, and True's first name, Steve, began with an S. What's more, Greta said the policeman who found Cousette would have a bad hand. True's left hand had been disfigured in an industrial accident. And True was the officer who found the victim's body. Plus, just as Greta had said, her foot was detached from her corpse. Officers discovered Cousette outside of Greta's circle, so that prediction didn't exactly come true. But she still offered 22 clues about the state of the body. Even Fitzgerald became a self-proclaimed believer. And it's no wonder. Greta had an uncanny ability for providing leads to detectives. One police chief even claimed in the four or five years they worked together, Greta was right about 90% of the time. But even if someone is right 90% of the time, that still leaves 10% when they're wrong. Take a case from 1975. It's centered on Julia Benning, who grew up on a farm in Clarksville, Iowa. By all accounts, she was a diligent student who worked hard in extracurriculars like choir and the speech team. When she turned 18, Benning needed a job to help pay for college. Originally, she planned to work at a bowling alley. Instead, she wound up as a cocktail waitress at the Sir Lounge, a local strip club. The Sir was a classy joint with plush red carpets and respectful staff. But still, Benning's parents were unhappy with their daughter's new job. They tried to convince her to quit, but she refused. The day after Thanksgiving, Benning's mother urged her to call out sick so she could relax with her family. But the 18-year-old didn't want to miss a shift. So once again, she ignored the advice and went in. It was the last time her parents ever saw her. Two days passed with no word, and finally, the mother and father contacted the police. Their search was fruitless. There was no sign of Benning anywhere. Then, five months later, an official-looking black car pulled up to their house. The authorities asked the parents to come identify a body. They'd found a strangled corpse, naked in a ditch. Sure enough, Julie's parents identified their deceased daughter. The missing persons case became a homicide investigation, and it wasn't any more fruitful. Months passed and Benning's killer remained at large. Labor Day 1976 brought another gruesome killing. 19-year-old Lisa Peake was on campus at Wartburg College in Waverly, Iowa. The school was a short 20-minute drive from Clarksville, where Julie had gone missing. Peake told her friends she was going shopping at the local mall. She never returned to her dorm. The next day, on September 7th, authorities found her body. Like Benning, she was strangled and lying in a ditch. Perhaps a serial killer was prowling through central Iowa. When the local authorities failed to crack the case, the FBI and the state's Bureau of Criminal Investigation, or BCI, became involved. They created a psychological profile of the man who could have killed Benning and Peake. Even this failed to narrow the search, so Greta Alexander entered the picture. A private investigator had previously worked with a psychic on an arson case, 
so he had faith she could help again. He called Greta and asked her about the FBI profile, which wasn't public yet. But she supposedly managed to identify several details in the report, as if she'd read it herself. Later, the BCI and Sheriff William Westendorf met with Greta to discuss Benning and Peek. She fell into her trance and spoke about the girls at length. But Westendorf scoffed. He thought most of Greta's information could have come from newspapers. And afterward, none of her claims turned into actual leads. Despite the psychic's best efforts, the Benning and Peek murders were never solved. She claimed this was because the officers on the case, including Westendorf, were hostile towards her. Their negativity could have interfered in her normal psychic process to properly access Benning and Peek's memories. Either way, the information she provided didn't help investigators, and the killer, or killers, remained free. Now, it's impossible to say if Greta's failure to crack this case disproved her psychic abilities. It certainly didn't stop officials from seeking her guidance for other unsolved crimes. But the more involved Greta became with the police, the more some wondered. Did she have a gift from God? Or was she a fraud? Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We'll be back next time with part two of Greta Alexander. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive produced by Max Cutler. Our head of programming is Julian Boireau. Our supervising sound designer is Russell Nash, with Nick Johnson as our head of production and quality control by Lisa Marie Gallegos. Ali Wicker is our supervising editor, and Derek Jennings is our writing lead. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Alex Bernard, edited by Ben Hanani and Angela Jorgensen, fact-checked by Kevin Johnson, researched by Chelsea Wood, produced by Bruce Kotovich, and sound designed by Kerry Murphy. Our hosts are Molly Brandenburg and me, Richard Rossner. Dahmer, Bundy, Gacy, Ramirez. You know the names, but do you know the whole terrifying story? Every Monday and Thursday on Serial Killers, take a horrific journey through the origin, evolution, and madness of a real-life murderer, exploring the reasons why they lived to kill. Some were charismatic, others were calculated, but all of them were disturbingly deadly. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Listen free only on Spotify.